Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. We are in 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. Um, so if, uh, if you're sitting at home or in a safe place, go ahead and get, get to 1 Peter 2. If you're driving, don't, don't do it. Be careful. Um, Keith, listen, be careful, brother. You know, we don't, we don't want no accidents. All right. So 1 Peter 2, I'm going to pray. We're going to get right into it, guys. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for this morning, Lord. I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters who, who have been so faithful, Father, just, just, just committing to every morning, digging into your word, Lord God. So, Father, I pray that you would honor them for that, Lord. Father, during this time, Father, as I'm speaking, Lord, I pray there will be your words that are heard, not mine, Father. And I pray that I will fade to the background and you will be at the forefront for whatever message you want to deliver to your children. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Let's give it a stretch. First Peter 2, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, that they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Verse 13, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, for the Lord's sake, whether to the king or as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of the conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if 
When you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because God, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, have, that we having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Amen. All right. First Peter 2. This is another good one, guys. When it starts in verse 1, it says, therefore. And Peter is just, you know, he, he has in, in chapter 1, he's just demonstrated the glory and eternal character of God's word. So, so now when it says, therefore, in light of what God's word is to us, we should receive the word and receive it with, with a particular heart as, and we, we should receive it as newborn babes. You know, verse two says that newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. The word desire here is very, very strong. It's in the, in the Greek Septuagint, the, the, um, the Greek Septuagint is an ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament. And it's uh, when it when it talks about desire, it, it's used for for man's deepest longing for God, right? This it could also if you go back to Psalm forty two verse one, um, the word pants is very similar. You know it says, "As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God." It's like a, a deep, deep longing. Um, it speaks of desire that each believer should have for the Word of God, and you know a, a new baby has no has a an instinctive yearning for for mother's milk so when things are right you don't have to tell the baby hey it's time to it's time to drink you know you know our baby is, is still breastfeeding and 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 we're gonna start weaning praise the lord soon um but um you don't have we don't have to tell her we don't have to wake her up in the middle of the night we don't have to say hey it's it's your noon feeding time no instinctively she knows you know and that's how we should be for the word of god just continually yearning for it so if the failure to either desire or to receive the pure milk milk of the word is the reason that there are so many problems in both individual christians and the church we saw lots a lot of us we've 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 stopped yearning for the word of god we stopped yearning for the milk Okay, there's a there's there's a saying that you know um there's a kind of frame of mind excuse me that you know uh, the milk is for the babes but then you know um, and you, we get that on Sunday morning right but the meat of the word comes from our connect groups when we get together very very true very very accurate right and sometimes we tend to to um, get so wrapped up in serving in church and being on a team that we fail to sit down and still receive the milk of the word of God, which is just as important as the meat, you know? And so we, we, we start to, to, to lose our focus. So brothers and sisters, when we have things at Fusion Church, such as 
Sit, serve one, sit one. Make sure when you were sitting, you were sitting and you were receiving the milk of the word of God. It is so important. It is so vital. There's time for the connect groups to get even, to dig even deeper and do those deep, deep Bible studies where you're getting, you know, all the theological expositions of what the word of God means. That's great. But the milk of the word of God that we get every single Sunday morning, come on, that is so vitally important, my brothers and sisters. It says so that you may grow. The word of the word of God is necessary for the for the growth of the Christian. We should we should desire the pure milk of the word. You know, even though Paul in in First Corinthians in the book of Corinthians he 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 rebuked the Corinthian church for only for only receiving the milk. You know, but the, the the Christian should never grow tired of the simple truths of the gospel when it's presented. You know, so who are the newborn babes? We, in a sense, are still newborn babes because we're not adults, you know, like we, we, we still need to be yearning. We still need to be growing. We should always have the heart of a child to continually receive the word of God. We should yearn for it. We should die, desire it. We should pant it for the word of God. To, to drink of the milk, the, the milk of the word is, is to taste again and again what he is like. For in the hearing of, uh, of the Lord's word, believers, we, we can experience the joy of personal fellowship with the Lord himself. And it says in verse four, coming to him as to a living stone. Peter's picture here is, is that God is building a spiritual temple. And he's using living stones. He's using us to build his temple. And, and, and this, this spiritual house that he's talking about shows that as much as Israel had a temple, Christians, we also have, have one. Yet you know, our, our temple is, is a spiritual temple. And, and, and we are the temple. We say it. We are the church. And we, we, we need to be built up uh, with the word of God. You know, Jesus is first called the living stone. And then we are called living stones. And, and we live because we are connected to him who is a source of life. Because we are chosen by God and precious, it says. So as much as, as God chose Israel, you know, so the church, we can also claim that, that he chose us. You know, as much as, as Israel had a priesthood, so Christians, we are a holy priesthood. As much as Israel had, had sacrifices, so Christians, we offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. The believer, we are our own priest before God. We don't need anybody to be a mediator between us and, and, and God, except for Jesus himself. That's why, you know, different, you know, religions and different, you know, sects, you know, they believe you have to confess to this person, confess to that person. While confession isn't a, 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 a part of, of our faith, when it comes to going before the Lord, we don't need anybody to go before the Lord in, uh, in place of us to stand before us. No, we can go directly before the Lord. That's why when Christ died, the veil of the temple was broke. It was ripped from top to bottom. We went over all this when, um, during, during the, um, Good Friday and, and, and Easter, that, that whole season, you know, and the, and the ripping of the veil represented that we can go directly before the Lord. We can go directly into his presence. We don't need to have anything, um, uh, no, no mediator, you know, to, to talk to him. Peter's idea is, isn't that God has abandoned Israel or that they have no place in his, in his plan, but that Christianity is in no way inferior to Judaism. 
There's still ways to get to God. Verse five says to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God through, through Jesus Christ. God does the work of building. God will build his church, but we have to have the job. We offer sacrifices pleasing to him as we come to Jesus as who we are, as living stones uh, made by him. Even a living stone can't build something great for God as it sits all on its own. What God does to with us together is important. That's why the body of Christ is so important. That's why every single one that's right here in this Zoom call right now is important because you play a vital role in the building of the kingdom of God, not the building of Fusion Church. Get Fusion Church out of your, that, that doesn't matter. The building of the kingdom of God, the building of the capital C church. We are important because our job is to plunder hell and populate Satan. Our job is to go out there and, and, and preach the gospel and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And each one of us plays a part because we are living stones because, you know, he's building something out of us, but he's building us together. That's why each one of us plays our role in the church. If one thing is out of, out of place, the whole experience of what church is goes away. If we don't have a kid's ministry, I'd say a, a huge number of people that come to Fusion Church aren't coming back to Fusion Church because there's so many testimonies of people who are have come to Fusion, they found Fusion, they've stuck with Fusion Church because of our kid's ministry. That was their sole reason. They weren't coming to church for themselves. They were coming for them kids. And as a result, they are now part of the church and they're serving. I have people in Cumberland County right now who they originally came to Fusion Church because of the kids ministry. And now they are vital, vibrant, essential leaders in this location. So come on, everything plays a part. You know, I can, and I can, I can guarantee you there are some people in the church that Christy, when they come in, if that coffee ain't made, if that hospitality area ain't ready, they're like, what? I can't get my coffee? You know, I'm going to go find somewhere else. I'm going to go down the road. So everyone plays a part. Behold, verse six, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. If we are being built into a spiritual house, there is no doubt a chief cornerstone. And even though the man rejected Jesus, he has become the chief cornerstone in the work of building the church. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of Psalm 118. He's the stumbling stone of Isaiah 8. He's the foundation stone of Isaiah 28. He's a supernatural stone of Daniel 2. Jesus Christ is the stone. He is the centerpiece. Verse 7, verse seven says, therefore, to you who believe he is precious. Though the, the, the chief cornerstone was rejected by the disobedient and unbelieving, he is precious to those who do believe. One way to know if a person has truly biblical faith is to see if Jesus is truly precious to them. Is Jesus truly precious to you? Is he pre is he, does he mean everything to you? Is he your number one? Is he the one that you go to more than anything? Charles Spurgeon, um, uh, myself and, and Nick especially, we, we, we like to quote him quite often when we're, um, when we're doing these soaps. And, and Charles Spurgeon, he's, he, he's, he's called the Prince of Preachers because my man, there's so much word that this man has preached. And um, when he was 16, he preached his, his first sermon. 
in a small village to a handful of, of, of poor people. And he, he preached from this verse. He chose first Peter two, seven. And um, it says, you know, unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious is, is the text that he used. And he Spurgeon said that he didn't think he could have preached on any other Bible passage. He's quoted as saying, but Christ was precious to my soul and I was in the flush of my youthful love and I could not be silent when a precious Jesus was the subject. He went on to say, is Jesus precious to your soul? Remember, on your answer to this question depends on your condition. You believe if he is precious to you, but if he is not precious, then you are not believers and you are condemned already because you believe not on the son of God. Is Jesus precious to you? Those of us who are married, we have significant others. You know, your, your, your spouse, your significant other, yes, they're precious to you. You know, especially in the beginning, you know, when we were all lovey-dovey, you know, and we were all, you know, on the phone all the time. And, you know, back before, back, back before, before there was texting, you know, we would have to be on the phone, you know, now you hang up, now you hang up. You know, I love you. I love you. Okay. That's how, especially Joe, I know Joe was, was really, really like that big, big time. He probably still is. But my point is we, we treated our significant other as if they were the, they were, they were our whole universe, right? We put everything into these relationships, everything. And while there's, there is a place for that, but we need to put even more of our everything into our relationship with Jesus Christ. He needs to be precious to us. He needs to be our everything to us. Those who reject the chief cornerstone and refuse to build on him instead stumble over him. Instead of being uh, their salvation, Jesus becomes um, to them a rock of offense. Jesus quoted this passage from Psalm 118 in regard to himself in Matthew 21, 42. A chief cornerstone is a starting point for the building. Everything is laid out according to the chief cornerstone. What is the chief cornerstone of your life? Is everything in your life built around Jesus Christ? Has he become your foundation? Is he your chief cornerstone from which everything else is built? Because you have, you have your chief cornerstone and from there the walls go out. But if your walls, the walls of your life aren't set in the chief cornerstone that is Jesus Christ, your walls will crumble. And, if, and if, even if they don't crumble right away, there's going to be signs. There's going to be cracks. You know, some of that drywall is going to start falling off because you don't have the chief cornerstone of Jesus Christ in your life. Come on. That's something that we should all be striving for to make sure that every single day we say, Lord, you are the foundation of my life. You are the chief cornerstone of my life. You are the one that matters. Jesus set out the course for both Jew and Gentile to be joined together into to one glorious house of God. One big capital C church. So imagine Jesus, the cornerstone. One wall, we have Gentiles, which is you and I. The other wall, we have Jews. All should be together. But unfortunately, from both sides, we aren't always together. We, we, don't, see the, we don't see things the same. Sometimes we're at odds, you know, but I'll tell you right now, the same God that rescued the Jews from Egypt is the same God that we worship today. It's the same God. We serve the same God as the Jews. They may think different than we do, 
You know, they may, they, they don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he was a Messiah. However, we serve the same God. And Jesus made a way to bring us all together under him. Verse 8 says they stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Those who are di disobedient to the word should stumble over Jesus. When Jesus spoke of himself as the stone of Psalm 118, he spoke of what those who reject him are appointed to. Matthew 21, 44 says, and whoever falls on this stone will be broken, and who, and, but whom, whomever it falls, it will grind them to powder. What's that tell you? If Jesus is not your chief cornerstone, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, and you will be broken. One way or another, you will be broken. I don't know about you, but I ain't trying to be broken by Jesus. I ain't trying to be broken by anything. I'm trying to have my life fitted into the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but you were a chosen generation. The things that were once exclusively, exclusively belonged to Israel, you know, now belongs to us. Their election, their priesthood and calling are now no longer just property of just Israel, of just the Jews alone. They are now the property of every Christian. And we have a greater, and we have this in a greater spiritual sense than it, what even they have. The, the offices of royalty and priesthood were separated in Israel, right? You had your, you had your king, you had your high priest, you know, and, but Jesus is both. Jesus is both our king and our high priest. And he brought these two titles together for his people so we could all be one church. His own special people, it says, we are a special people because we belong to God. A museum, you know, if you went to a museum, it can have a whole lot of things in there. It could have, you know, clothes and, and, and artifacts, all this stuff. And that's great. It means nothing unless those things belong to someone of importance. So we can have our house. We can have that church built. We can have our locations of Fusion Church. And it's great. You know, we can have all the things that we, all, all the stuff, but who does that house belong to? Does it belong to us? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Does it belong to the Lord? Is Jesus the foundation of that house? Because if he is, now we have a place of meaning. Now we have a place that matters. Verse 10 says, who once were not a people, but are now people of God. We were once not, we, we, excuse me, we were once not the people of God. We didn't belong to God. We had not seen the mercy of God, but now we've obtained mercy. You know, and, and, and we, we live in a, a Judeo-Christian um, community where a lot of our values, a lot of our laws are based on Judeo-Christian um, principles. So it's hard for us to understand the great sense of relief that something like this came to the Gentiles to know that as the new covenant with God of Israel, you know, was, was shared with them, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for us to, to, to understand it, you know, because um, it's like you once didn't belong, but now you belong, you know, but we've always had that assurance, brothers and sisters, that we belong. And then it goes on to say in verse 11, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. We can only abstain from fleshly lusts as we live as those who recognize that the world is on our own. Listen, we don't belong here, brothers and sisters. We have a home and a citizenship in heaven, and we're just waiting to get back there. This is temporary right here. But Paul, excuse me, Peter understands that these fleshly lusts war against the soul. And to be a Christian means to fight against these lusts of the flesh. 
and the battle continues as long as we live in the flesh. I don't care of how great of a saint you are. I don't care. We are human, right? We are souls living in a flesh suit. And as long as we are here on earth, we are going to battle against lust, uh, the, the lusts of the flesh. There are going to be things that our flesh is going to desire. There's going to be temptations we're going to have. There's going to be things that are going to try to get us trapped. Okay. It's, it's inevitable, brothers and sisters. But are you fighting these lustly flesh, the, uh, fle uh, lusts of the flesh on your own? Or are you fighting it with Jesus Christ? You know, it's easy to see how the, the pursuit of, of lustly flesh uh, can hurt our body, you know, physically how, how these, these, these lusts can damage our body. You know, just look at someone who's, who's abused themselves with alcohol, drugs, and, and, and the things that happen to their body as a result, you know, people who, you know, the, the, the hundreds of thousands of people that daily contract some kind of STD because they've been pursuing the lusts of the flesh, right? But Paul reminds us that fleshy lusts are a war against the soul, some escape the, uh, the disease of the physical body when they sin, but the disease and death of the inner man is penalty that no one who gives into the flesh can escape. So you may be doing something. You may be abusing yourself and, and physically right now there's no issues, but spiritually your inner man is being damaged and you need to go back to that chief cornerstone. You need to go to Jesus Christ so he can bring the healing that you that you that you need verse 13 we don't have, only have so much time left guys verse 13 says therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of, of men as christians we should be good as citizens be, be good citizens and submit to the government and this was very different from from zealous jews of, of peter's day who recognized no king but god and paid no taxes to no one but god and paul peter wrote this in the days of the roman empire you know which was no friend to christians when he was around, but yet he still recognized the legitimate authority above the Roman government. So why do we obey the government? It says it right here, for the Lord's sake. Governments have a rightful authority from God, and we are bound to obey them. Unless they order us to do something that's contradiction to God's law, we must obey. You know, because if they, if they give us, if they tell us to do something that's contra contradiction to God's law, you know, then we are commanded to obey God before men. You know, as verse 14 says, as to those who are sent by him, Peter also insisted that the rulers are sent by God. Governments are sent by God for the punishment of evildoers and for the recognition of those who do good. So it's really difficult sometimes when we see what's happening in our government. We see what's happening in our nation. And, and how much do we, do we fight against it? we believe the governments are appointed by God. They're here for a time. And we don't know how long it is, but it's our job, our job to be obedient. Going to move on because, whew, man, we only got so much time. So going to verse 21, it says, Christ also suffered for, us, leave, suffered for us, leaving us an example. Jesus is our example as someone who endured punishment unjustly. When he was reviled, Jesus did not revile in return. And, but in his suffering, he committed himself to the Father. This is very uh, personal for Peter. Because when Jesus was suffering, 
what part of Jesus's suffering do you think affected Peter the most? Which hour do you think uh, um, from, from the garden to, go, to Golgotha with, was most, most deeply engraved in Peter's memory? She, it was probably that time when Jesus was mocked and he was being beaten at the house of the, of the high priest. When Peter sat there and warmed his hands by the fire and he saw that his Lord was being abused and he was afraid to own the fact that he was one of his disciples. And he was so terrified that, that he cursed when he was confronted. I know not that man. So long as life lingered, the, the apostle Peter, he was going to remember the meek and quiet bearing of his suffering Lord. That while he was, was cursing that he was not a follower of Christ, his Lord was being beaten. And I imagine that just, that just etched itself in his heart of an example of, of how to act when we are persecuted. Jesus, who himself, verse 24, bore our sins in his own body on the tree. The suffering of Jesus is clearly an example for us, but it's more than just an example because he also bore our sins as a sin-bearing substitute for us and provided for our healing. By those stripes we are healed, it says. Purely, Peter clearly meant the cross of Jesus when he mentioned the tree. Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the wood of the cross. Peter stated here that both the constant to, to constantly remind Christians of the great work of Jesus on the cross and to show that even as the suffering Jesus accomplished much, so their own suffering can be used from God. Listen, we are never, our, any of our suffering is will never, ever, 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 ever compare to the suffering of Jesus, right? Let's get that out of the way. However, Christ can still use our suffering for, for good. And I would dare you to talk to some of the saints on this Zoom call when they went through some stuff, right? They went through some suffering and they didn't see what was going on. They didn't understand it. It made no sense, but they were suffering. But hindsight being 20, when they look back, they said, that's why. That's why I went through what I went through. That's why the Lord allowed me to go through this stuff. When I hated it, I may, have even, I may have even cussed God out because I was going through what I was going through. But he still brought me through it. And now I can bring him glory. I can bring, give him praise. I can give him honor. I can now be a testimony of the good work of Jesus Christ. Because if you're going through it, and you don't have to sit there and complain and moan and all this stuff, do as the Lord did. Silent. And he will honor you. And people will see you. People who don't know Christ will see you through your example. They will see what you're going through. Like, how come they aren't flipping out? How come they're, they're not breaking things? They're not going through the office and flipping tables and they ain't choke nobody out? Because listen, we've all been there where we, we wanted to choke somebody out. I guess it's just me. Just Okay, it's just me. I have been in situations where I wanted to choke somebody out. But I didn't. Because one, I didn't want to go to jail. But two, for what? what was, what's the purpose? Where would my testimony now be now if I just allowed my anger, my frustration just to be just to, to, to go crazy on some, something or somebody? Because Jesus didn't do it. And he had every reason to do it. 
because he didn't do nothing wrong. But he was beaten. He was mocked. He was abused. And he did it silently. For each and every one of us. And that's the example that we need to, to live by. Amen. Amen. I got so much more, guys, but, you know, we only have so much time on these morning morning Zooms. Um, but uh, I hope you guys got something out of that. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and we, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that, that you sent your son, you sent our chief cornerstone to be the, the perfect example of how we should live our lives. And Lord, that when we go through times where we don't understand what's happening, Father, we can just look to your son, Jesus Christ, and follow his example. And we have the assurance, Lord, that we're going to be all right. Father, we praise you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the, for the growth and just the, the, the steadfastness of my brothers and sisters on this call who, who continue to just, just to have that desire to get closer to you, to get deeper into your word, to, to desire to get a word from you. Father, we praise you for what you're doing. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen.